0: Life Podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things when they have the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. My name is Victoria Smith, and I am a stress reduction coach, and I am passionate about helping women significantly decrease their stress so that they've got more time for the things that matter to them, just like these women that I interview in this podcast. Now, this episode is brought to you in part by the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit, which happens on October 10th. So the Wellness Summit is a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness. And this year, the focus is on what it takes to create healthy workplace cultures where everyone thrives. Supporting the health and wellness of employees is becoming a major consideration for many workplaces, and Alberta Blue Cross wants to connect the dots of what it takes to create healthy workplaces with happy people. Alberta Blue Cross has designed the summit so that you're not just sitting and listening. You'll have a chance to actively engage with the information, the speakers, and other attendees, and will come away with practical tools and evidence-based resources you can use, whether you're a frontline worker or a C-suite executive. So the summit is happening at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel on October 10th, so learn more at thewellnesssummit.ca. Now you know that the Alberta Podcast Network is made up of so many different podcasts covering all sorts of different topics. Now, rather than sort of me give you a bit of a spiel on it, I want to ta- I want to introduce you to a podcast I've never talked about before, which is Pop Cycle. So, I'm going to just let them share what they're all about. So, here we go hey it's eric from pop cycle the pop culture connections podcast on our show we discuss just how incestuous pop culture really is but in a really fun way we take a chunk of culture be it a movie an actor a song a musician or a book and then by going as far away as possible by way of six degrees of separation we end up right back where we started It's a lot of fun, so if you're so inclined, take a listen. We're also part of the Alberta Podcast Network, so you can find us via albertapodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so today on the podcast, we are joined by Pooja Mohan. Now, Pooja is an author, she is a productivity expert, and a passionate blogger. So I was first introduced to Pooja, I think through Instagram, and I had come across her series of books called The Goal Digger Series. And what she has is this series of three books, which are step-by-step guides on how to do goal setting and, uh, and really increase your productivity in order to take overwhelm out of the process. And then in her second book, she breaks down like what are the exact tasks that will get you closer to that goal? And then the third book is really a workbook that is going to help you get actually closer to executing on those goals. So as someone who is definitely interested in productivity and being my most productive self, I'm always kind of looking to see how I can improve because nobody wants to waste their time, right? Now, as I'm recording this, as this episode is going out today, there's some really great discounts on Pooja's books. So if you want to check them out on Kindle, then I would go to uh, the links I'll include in the show notes for today. I would highly recommend that you check them out. So in this episode, Pooja and I talk about how are the 90 day goal setting principles different from a personal to a professional environment? How can you actually transfer them and how does it actually play out in daily life, right? Because I think there's so many things that sound phenomenal and really like they work. And then like, how does it actually apply to your daily life? How do you set monthly goals, weekly goals, daily goals? How does that breakdown happen? We talk about some of her favorite go to resources and we also talk about goal setting and productivity as a parent, because it just really changes the game, right? Like you have this other massive priority in your life that has to take precedence. So how do you achieve goals when you're balancing or juggling parenting, work, and whatever personal goals or professional goals that you've also got at the same time? And finally, we talk about how productivity and self-care go hand in hand. So we talk about how she layers that into her goal setting. So it's a really great episode and I hope that you enjoy it. And so without further ado, let's head over to the interview. Well, thank you so much, Pooja, for joining us on the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So I, you're not the first guest who I have said, I found you on Instagram,
1: <laughs> uh.
0: but I found you because of your, your Goal Digger series, your 90-day sort of project plans and how to set and achieve these goals. But I was really interested to find out that you actually have this background in project control and commercial activities. So I imagine many of these skill sets that you learned came from a corporate setting, But are they the same? Like the way that you would set a goal, is it the same in a professional
1: environment to how you set it in a personal environment? Yeah, so my introduction to goal setting and uh, everything with productivity came from uh, what I was exposed to while I was working as a project coordinator. A lot of my training happened in that setting around goal setting and productivity. So when I left my corporate job and started my own little things I kind of took those things because that was the only thing I knew how to do I took it in my personal life and there is very little difference between how they are applied in the corporate setting versus how you would apply it to yourself in personal life as well as if you are you know doing your own work from home or something like that it's remarkably similar at the same time there are few differences. And one of the biggest difference that is there is, you know, when you set a goal or your goal setting in a corporate world, you have someone you're reporting to. So they are kind of, at the end of the day, going to evaluate how you did, how you didn't do, what worked, what didn't work. So basically there is someone else doing those things with you. But when you do it in your personal life, you are the boss as well as the employee. (laughs) So uh, you kind of have to wear those hats and do the evaluation and the goal setting and be responsible on both ends, as in when you're setting it as well as when you are executing it. So that is kind of where it is a little different. When you are setting goals in your personal life, there's a lot of Personal things you include in your goal setting, which you don't do in your professional setting, as in in a corporate world, you wouldn't be doing that. Those have to be integrated with the other actionable things that are focused on, say, achieving a a work-related goal that you may have. I don't know if I'm making sense in that regards, but... I think so, because the sense that I'm getting from that is like
0: in a personal goal setting, you're also kind of balancing your home life as well, right? Right, right. So those
1: goals have to be integrated with the other goals that you may have around your work. Uh, And they have to fall in place and be like, you know, they have to mesh together. Because you can't have, this is one thing that I really struggled with in the beginning when uh, when I was transitioning from a corporate setting to working for myself, was that you have to have your personal goals. And when I say personal goals, not related to just your family or your home or things around those, but also taking care of yourself, taking care of your health, your personal well-being, as well as your personal finances, your personal eating habits. Those, All those things have to lace together with your achieving some work-related goals. So I cannot say that, oh, I am going to work so much and achieve these, these these goals, say financial goals or other work goals and not look after my health, because mm-hmm. that's going to affect how you are performing. Or if I'm taking care of my family and I'm not having breakfast on time, and I'm going you know, hours on end without drinking water, those are also going to affect your, your interaction with the people in your family and your kids. So those things have to be integrated when you're doing goal setting as a person, as an individual versus doing it in a corporate setting if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: it it does to me. I mean, maybe I'll just clarify in case other listeners are kind of seeing it the same way I'm seeing it, is that like, if you're in a corporate setting, I think you think these are the goals I have to achieve within these eight hours, and I've got the time outside of those eight hours for my health and for all those things. So you really can sort of get that time space separation. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this. And I think um, that's definitely where the personal and the professional very much blend because you, like you're saying, you are solely accountable for all of that. And I think I was actually just talking about this to a, a in a workshop I was giving last night about habits. And mm-hmm. I was, have you read Atomic Habits by James Clear? Not yet, <gasps> but it is on my uh TBR, it it's is, been for quite it, a while. It is going to change your life, or at least it's changed my life. Uh-huh. He makes a really good comment about how both winners and losers, as he said, winners and losers set the same goals, mm-hmm. but it's the the processes and the systems and the environments and the habits that actually make you more likely to achieve them. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious from, from your experience, how that resonates with you
1: it does. One of uh, my key strengths in my corporate setting was that I would automate a lot of things. And I have begun to realize that that is a skill that when I took it in my personal life too, was kind of a game changer for me to in terms of reducing a lot of stress and overwhelm. Because a lot of times the things that we don't need to consciously make a decision about Mm -hmm. We are making a decision about it on a daily basis, which we don't need to. But if we automate those things, it kind of, uh, you know, makes space in your brain to actually spend time on things that you do need some brain power to make your decisions. And those are, you know, your habits, your processes that you have set. Those things are what will automate a lot of things in your house, in your workstation, whatever it is. Those things really, and I mean, this is just not like a statement that someone says, if you actually break it down and put it in a daily, you know, habit, those things actually make a lot of difference between you achieving what you are going after or you're not able to achieve what, what you're going after.
0: Yeah. Can I ask, like, could you give us some examples of some of the things that you automate?
1: So I believe a lot of us, we already do that consciously or subconsciously. But places where you can consciously make automate a lot of things is like, say you are in the habit of getting up and doing some form of exercise, whether it is just stretching or full on workout. If you have your clothes laid out, if you have your mat laid out, if you have whatever program, if you're doing it at home, whatever program you're following, you have that set up on your TV, on your laptop or wherever you're using it. If you have all those things set up the night before, when you get up in the morning, you don't have to consciously make those decisions of putting things together and then going and working out. What, what it does is that it gives you very less time to then sit back and then like oh, I'm not feeling like doing it today. Mm-hmm. And that removes all the decisions you have to make to get to that activity of actually working out. So you get up, you freshen up, and you work out. Similarly, when you are preparing your breakfast for your family, for yourself, if you have a meal planned the night before or on a weekend, for the entire week however you your time allows you to do that if you have those things done the night before or have planned for it you're spending less time on you know opening up the refrigerator and looking at what ingredients you can put together (laughs) I hate doing that (laughs) yeah and uh, we don't realize it in that moment but those are adding to your stress Mm -hmm. In some way or the other, if I am worried about what I'm going to put together and my kid comes and asks me something, I might snap because I'm in the process of making a decision over here, which really does not require you to spend that much of brain power.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where, for instance, meal planning, I hate doing it, but I love the reward of it. And so it's, I think we often build it up to be much, much worse in our head. But if we remember like how, if... If we had the screen time app for our brain in terms of like how much time we were spending thinking about things that didn't need to be thought about like we would actually be saving ourselves so much time and energy it's just without that tangible data i think sometimes we think oh it's not a big deal that i'm constantly thinking about what we're going to eat tonight
1: yeah and another thing over here is that you know sometimes we look at a lot of information about say for example meal planning and everyone is meal planning in a particular way but that kind of overwhelms me because I don't feel like I need to do that elaborate way of meal planning. Mm-hmm. So that's all right if you, your meal planning does not look like everyone else's meal planning. It could be just writing on a piece of paper and stick it, sticking it on the refrigerator saying that I have these ingredients in my fridge and these are the things that I can make with it and if it is there pinned in front of you that's that's enough of meal planning.
0: Oh, that's all I do. But it makes me feel so much better that I've made the decision. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It takes
1: you probably five minutes, 10 minutes to put it together. You don't yeah. have to have your, you know, vegetables chopped and, you know, your produce all sorted in, in, you know, nice containers. You don't, your meal plan does not need to look like a Pinterest meal plan. Yeah. Your meal plan could be as simple as a post-it saying, this is this is the, you know, this is going to be for breakfast. Yeah. This is going for dinner that's all and what it also allows is especially if you have little older kids or your husband is also you know partaking in your you know meals and all these things they are also aware of okay this is what it is for breakfast I don't need my mother to tell me <laughs> where to go and get it from I can put it together myself I, I look forward to my child being old enough to read that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and help himself
1: yeah but there might be p- people who have those, ki- uh, you know, elder kids who are yeah. able to put it together by just looking, okay, this is what it is for today. I know where the ingredients are. I can do it myself. And for for them also, I, I don't have to give any instructions. So that time that you would spend on giving instruction is freed because you've made it easier for them to find things where it is and how to put it together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things I... Um... Wanted to talk to you about, I think a lot of people, sort of like we just said, are good at setting big goals, but they struggle with how to chunk them out. What's your sort of advice for that in terms of how people should look at their goals in terms of how they should think of things in terms of sort of weekly, monthly, three-month sort of goals? What should they be focusing on for those?
1: Right. So the way I like to do it have is, first of all, have a brain dump. And once you have everything on a piece of paper, you kind of figure out that a lot of things are following in, falling in the same space, in the same area. And you may not realize, but you're actually, you know, listing tasks in front, instead of listing goals. Mm-hmm. Once you have all these things in front of you, is when you sort of, you know, reverse engineer things. Say, for example, your goal is to have financial stability in a number of years that you've defined for yourself that may feel a you know a big goal and quite overwhelming the key is to now start breaking it down into as detailed activities steps tasks that you can and then focusing on those things club together and then distributing it into uh, you know, weeks, months, quarters, years, because financial goals sh- should spread over you know span yeah. of years. <laughs> We're not making millions overnight, right? Yeah. And then um, when it when you have everything laid out in front of you, then you can release that stress of holding things in your brain, and instead just looking at that one, that just that one step, that one task, that needs to be done right now Mm -hmm. at this moment and you can rest you know uh, knowing that I'm not forgetting anything I'm not missing anything everything is laid out but now I have to just look at this one thing and also know that once that particular task is performed if things change you can go back and then change your plan because it's just a plan you can make edits to it as you go along. And that is where I feel a lot of people have a breakdown when they feel, oh, I can't go back and change this because I've already made this plan. Or, oh, I was not able to uh, achieve this particular step, so might as well give up. But you can always go back to things and edit them and change them and fix as you go, knowing what you know after you've done a particular action task has been completed. Do you use personal sort of project management software like
0: Asana or Trello or like how are you or are you just pen and paper keeping it all on track?
1: If someone is starting off, I would say to make it as simple as possible rather than introducing a lot of things. Say for example, Asana, if you are going to introduce that then you have to learn that tool as well. Yeah. Right. So you're adding to your plate, which is probably already full. <laughs> so a simple pen and paper, no fancy planners or anything, just a simple pen and paper to start with is more than enough. Mm-hmm. And as you get confident in your you know, goal setting and goal executing, you can then add on a lot of things is what I like to tell anyone who asks me about this. Is that which planner do you use? What do you do with this? What do you do with that? Just start with a pen, you know, a pen and paper and that is a good enough start. Yeah. And that also removes a lot of anxiety of, you know, oh, this one is using this particular software and that one is using that particular software. You can upgrade your goal setting formula and system as you go on. And if you are already at a level that you have, you are comfortable with how your goal setting looks. Now you want to upgrade it, then that's a good time to introduce a lot of these apps. But initially, start it. You know, keep it simple. Make make it easy for yourself to come back to things rather yeah. than oh, I I don't want to open that software. It's too overwhelming. I don't know what goes where.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure just going to take a quick break from the interview. And I want to let you know, given that in this episode, we're talking all about productivity. Here's the thing. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be productive. So I wanted to let you know about the self summer of self-care series that I have, which launches on June 3rd. So if you are listening to this episode live, it is not that far away, you guys. So it starts on Monday. It is completely online. So as long as the timing works for you, wherever in the world you are, then I would highly recommend that you check it out some of the topics that we're going to be talking about are including self-care versus self-comfort, how to make and create time for self-care, What a positive self care routine can look like, how to bring it into your workplace, how to set yourself up for success, and how to make self care last. So, this will be coaching. You will be part of a small group uh, where you're going to help hold each other accountable to making self care a reality in your life. Now, what happens if you miss a session? Hey, don't worry about it because we're going to be recording them all. You get all the resources to your emails, but if you can show up, that's where you will benefit from having your questions and your particular challenges answered. So, if you want to sign, up the link will be in today's show notes. Have a great day. I also wanted to talk to you about like whether you're working from home or or you're like a stay-at-home parent but you've got sort of something that you're working on on the side. I think there <laughs> as my baby cries. I think there are unique challenges to trying to achieve your goals while you're also whether it's caregiving for a parent or for for a child like when you've got those Real, real big priorities in the house. How do you then sort of readjust goals based based on those kind of conflicting not conflicting, but like you're busier, right? Like how right. do you, how do you do that when you've got so much on the go? I think a lot of people struggle with that.
1: Right. Um, I was a productivity snob before <laughs> I had my child. Right. <laughs> And when I had my first kid, I was, I mean, everything that I had in place was put to true test, wherein I would not get enough sleep. I would not, uh, I mean, like you have, you know, a crying baby in the background (laughs) when you're trying to get, you know, something that needs to be done at that moment for me what has worked is allowing myself and my goal setting and my plans to be flexible and a lot of time we put that pressure on ourselves of course there are things that you cannot um if you have committed to some to do something to deliver something and that does not get done it will have you know repercussions on other things but most often Things can be moved around and if you are already keeping that in your mind while setting your goals that this is what I'm going to achieve, this is what I want to achieve but here is, you know, uh, I have to look after a ailing parent or my child and I may not be able to do this but it's okay and uh, allowing yourself to have, you know, tears of success If I reach it 100%, well done. If I reach it 80%, 50%, it's not a lost cause. And to accept that is, I think, a very, very big uh, liberating fact that I kind of realized in my personal life. And this is one of the things that um, I read years back in Harvard Business Review magazine Wherein they said something to this effect. I'm just paraphrasing of what I remember, is that when you're delivering on a project, uh, which has a sort of a certain date, and you're not able to achieve it, but along the way you've kept your customer informed about the changes that are happening and the probably the deadlines uh, deadline is being pushed again and again in some cases. But if you are informing, if you're keeping the stakeholders informed, they will still give you a good review, uh, they'll be happy with your work, because they have not been subject to a surprise, oh, you were telling me all along that this is going to be done at this state, but it did not. That is going to upset a lot of people. But if along the way, you've been telling them, okay, instead of this state, we are going to be able to do it on this state, And that goes in a personal life also. So if I've said that by the end of the year, I'm going to be able to, you know, finish, in my case, say, writing a book, but along the way, there were, there are going to be hurdles. And if you are adjusting your goals accordingly, all throughout, and you are giving yourself that permission, that this is okay, and this is just a phase, and I can always push it a little, you know, I can do it a little later but you're working on it bit by bit, that in itself is going to allow you to not feel like a failure at the end because you've been, you know, revisiting your goals. You've been, you know, making changes. So at the end, when you're looking at the goal, at the beginning, it might not have had that end date, which now it has, but it's not disappointing because you know that the new end date is achievable. It's going to be met. Yeah,
0: and I think a lot of people don't even, um, don't want to necessarily set goals with times because they feel like they're not going to reach them. But if you're at least even trying and working towards that, you're more likely to get further along than you would have without yes. sort of that that self-imposed deadline in place. So one of the things I also wanted to talk about, we we had mentioned it a little bit earlier, is about the importance of self care uh, when you're when you're striving, when you're working towards big things, and with productivity. I was listening to this really great podcast uh, episode between Brendan Burchard and Ariana Huffington, and they were talking about how for the longest time, and I think we're getting better as a society, but for how the longest time, it was you know work hard, work hard, work hard, and like self-care if and when you have the time and how they're talking about how actually like you can be far far more productive and successful and shocker actually enjoy your life if you are regularly daily practicing self-care
1: um how do how do you layer that into your goal setting i would say that going back say five years I had no idea what self-care was. (laughs) I would just do things. And my idea of self-care was, you know, getting a nice pedicure at the end of the month. Oh, that's self-care. Yeah. But uh, in the recent years, I've realized that uh, self-care by itself is a goal and it has tasks. And that needs to get, you know, spread out throughout the week, month, years. And uh, it has to be scheduled. Yeah. Like everything else that you schedule, like a doctor's appointment, your hair appointment, everything that you would do, uh, scheduling your self-care as small as that would be of, you know, I'm say, for example, I'm going to take a break from screens. Mm -hmm. So 15 minutes a day where you're not looking at any sort of screen is the self-care in itself. You have to schedule that. If you are, you know, going to going for some exercise routine or yoga, you have to put it in your calendar. You have to tell people around you that this is the time you are not available to anyone else, and you have to tell people that because otherwise, people are going to ask you of your time, and that needs to reflect in your schedule. If you ha- if you have a habit of you know, blocking your calendars or if you have a habit of, you know, a whiteboard which has, you know, these things need to get done on these days. You have to put it down. You have to make it visible to yourself and to everyone else that you are not available for other people because you're looking after yourself in that time. Yeah. And that's my, uh, like, out of, if you're setting five goals, one goal has to be goals, uh, personal self-care. It has to be otherwise, uh, eventually it'll catch up with you. And when it does, it'll have, it'll be an outburst. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Yeah. I think there's so many ways that you can
0: schedule in self-care and other things, like whether it's a prompt of a list or whatever, like You know, if you have a daily planner or a to-do list, maybe you put on there five checkboxes that are for, like, drinking your water. So it's not that you're scheduling and drinking your water, but you have
1: that visual prompt to remind you.
0: Right. Um, Or you can automate
1: these things. You can automate it, say, if you're drinking, if you have, you know, uh, decided to drink X amount of water. Make it simple for yourself to do that. Have a phone reminder that pops up, and the minute the bell rings, you know you have to grab a glass of water. So then you don't have to constantly, you know, uh, feel like, oh, I have to remember to drink water. Yeah. And that decision you've taken out, you've, you know, automated that. And then at the end of the day or week or month, whenever you are doing your review, you don't feel like, oh, this goal is going to be a fail. It, no, I think for sure, any
0: way that we can reduce that decision-making, make things easy and obvious and, right. and helpful for us, I think is so, so critical. Um, I do. We're going to talk about your fiction in a second, but I do um, want y- you to get an opportunity to tell our listeners about your Goal Digger series, um, so that if they are really passionate about getting more organized and setting their goals clearly, that you can let them know how your books can help.
1: Uh, yeah I would love to talk about them uh, so I started uh, my gold digger series in the beginning as um, as just a re- resource for people coming to my blog and uh, they could you know download the simplified versions of what I am talking about in these books and uh, one of my readers from my blog was like I, it would that they would love to have it handy at the any time. And that's how I thought of, you know, putting it in a workbook format. There are three books as of now in the Gold Digger series. The first one basically talks about for people who just want to get themselves into the productivity field. And they don't want to, you know, have big jargons or, you know, complicated formulas that a lot of books very helpfully have. But, you know, to get your ease yourself into it, I would say that's a very good place to start. It's called uh, I am a gold digger. Mm -hmm. And it just, uh, it's just a conversation that I'm having. And, you know, as I take you through the simplified steps of how you can make your goals and how you can like put in tasks and put in uh, guardrails to make sure that you achieve your tasks. So it's a very simplified Uh, version of goal setting and in the next book that's uh, goals from start to success uh, there's where I go a little deeper into the very steps that I have talked in the first book but I take you step by step as to what you need to do in this particular step say for example uh, people talk about smart goals but how does that work out
0: actually so (laughs) Like basically, how to reverse engineer it, like you were saying, okay. and how and how to make it crystal clear, so you know exactly. You know, we were saying like you have this big goal, but what's next? So you do yeah. you do that, and that I find that yeah. like that's so incredibly I have, helpful. Like
1: I give you the cues, I give you a question to ask yourself, and when you answer it at the end of it, your goals have become smart. So that's what I focus on in the second book, uh, and in the third one is where I go a little deeper. So you have you know, made your goals and like have your action plans. But what you're actually going to do is what you're going to do today. What what needs to get done today? What needs to get done tomorrow? So the third book that is uh, the 90 day plan workbook that goes into those details where I give you, I have given examples of if you have this goal, then these are the steps that you would take to break it down. And then when you break it down, this is how it would look. So I have those examples and as I explain the examples is when you can, you know, start putting your own goals in the template and then break them down. Use it the way you want because at the end of the day, you are working on it. I have just provided a template over there. So that's really what I like about the 90 day plan workbook. That's awesome.
0: So well, I'll link to all those book all your books in the show notes so that our listeners can pick them up and get working on their goals. but I'd also love to talk about you also write fiction, so I'm curious how you got how you got into that and uh, what your newest book
1: is about. Oh, so I got into fiction by accident okay uh, <laughs> uh, i I like to read, but I never thought I would become a writer by any means. Uh, It just happened to me by accident when I was getting burnt out in my day job at my corporate work. And uh, it was just a way of, you know, getting back to doing something that made me happy and something that would uh, keep my time accounted for because uh, at that point in my life, I had a lot of time off when I would get home so I did not want to while it away and I kind of came across few things and it eventually led me to writing fiction and I felt it was good enough so I published them and uh, yeah that's how I got into it. That's awesome. Um, Not an uncommon
0: story I don't think of like having that stress in the workplace and finding the outlet of creativity but you took it the step further and actually did, actually, you know, continue and publish, which most people don't commit to getting that far. So I'm like, right. good for and you. That's
1: one of the things that uh, helped me to actually, you know, bring it to its logical end was, you know, setting goals and uh, breaking them down. Like I did not know how to go about, you know, publishing a book. Yeah. So That was one of my goals in one of the years that, okay, learn about the industry. What happens after you've finished your manuscript? So uh, it does not, uh, that's a good example to say that, you know, the goal setting bit kind of uh, made it happen for me when it comes to my fiction writing. That's great. So can you tell us about your newest book? Yes, I'm currently working on a few projects. So one of uh, them is a a collection of short stories. And uh, the big project is a novel, which I've been writing for a few years now, but uh, I feel the story needs uh, a refined storyteller. So now I'm working on my skill as a writer. Mm -hmm. To make sure that that story is told the way I want it to be told. So in my goals about writing and everything, uh, I have, you know, taking writing classes and writing courses and workshops. So that's the big project that is happening right now. But uh, on the immediate basis, I'm working on a collection of short stories.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, I'm just going to end the podcast with the five questions that I ask all of our guests. Now, we may have already touched on on this. We might not have. But what are some of the things that get you
1: fired up in a good way? Uh, yeah. So I really like to talk about financial goals. I like to work on them personally. And I like to talk about them to anyone who would want to listen oh, to great. it. Oh, great. Yeah. What kind of like, what does that look like a few years back, I was not in a good place financially and I had to work myself out of a debt and, you know, make sure that my future looks secured. As I got into that field of getting myself educated on a lot of things, I realized that most people don't realize how important it is on mm. a day-to-day basis. And that's one of my passion projects where I want to you know, talk about it in public, I want to write books on it. And not from a, you know, technical point of view, but as a common person, a stay home mom, and her struggles of making sure that she's financially secured. So I, I really love to educate myself and want to talk about it. Well, you're gonna have to keep us posted
0: because that sounds fantastic. What's one of the most inspiring books that you've read in the past few years?
1: So one of the book that I keep going back to is The Big Magic oh, yeah. by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. That's one of the books that is like one of the things I do when I need some, you know, mental mental health or as one of my self care routines, like yeah. every one once a year I should read that book.
0: Yeah there's it's so powerful right like I've had a few guests mention it and it's one of my
1: favorites as well there it's just you know among all these things that it has I feel that book is immensely kind to the reader it allows you to be kind to yourself yeah it kind of gives you permission that it's okay you know you know what I'm getting at it yeah it's like it's immensely kind the way the writer the author has written it 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 kind of, you know, gives you that oh, okay, that's okay if I don't feel like, you know, this is a big deal or, yeah, you know, it gives you permission to be kind to yourself.
0: Yeah, I like I specifically work in stress reduction, so I find one of the things that she does with the book that I find very helpful is that taking the pressure off of your artwork to make you money. Uh, Because I think that's where so many people get caught up in um, and lose their passion for it, right? Because you put all that, like, this has to do well, this, you know, I quit my job, it's got to do well. But she talks about how, no, that is the exact opposite of what you should do, which is counter to what our society is telling us, right? It's like, quit your job, live your dream,
1: but then maybe your dream becomes your nightmare instead. (laughs) Exactly. And there is so much glossing over this you know almost making it a romantic notion that oh see I quit my job that was paying me so much and now I'm doing this thing that I love to do and now it's paying me more they kind of sell you this dream that like you said makes it into a nightmare yeah
0: no I think she does Like you're saying, she gives you the real truths, but is so kind and gentle about it. And it's, um, if anyone hasn't read it, that's listening, you just need to go and get a copy now or get the audible version because she reads it herself. And it's just always nice to hear from Elizabeth Gilbert. Right. Uh, speaking of stress, what are your go-to methods for handling stress? Like anything particular around like mindset, how you, how you handle when you're stressed out mentally?
1: Yeah, I, um. I really like to come back to intention. So uh, if there is anything that's working, that's not working the way I would want it to go, I always come back to thinking, what is my intention in this situation? What is my intention at the end when everything is said and done? What do I want to get out of it? And that I've realized that it it really helps you get clarity in that moment when you're caught up and you're like, you're in that loop of, you know, negative, negative, negative. Yeah. And then you just take a step back and just think, what is the intention over here? The intention of, say, the circumstances, or if you are in a, you know, confrontation with a person and that's causing you stress, what is their intention in that? And that kind of, you know, helps you take out all the, unnecessary feelings and everything about a particular situation and sort of gives you a good handle on whatever is going on because you kind of get get a sort of clarity in that moment that yeah okay this is this is what is important and this can be dealt with later on
0: yeah absolutely what is the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given
1: So a a few years back, I attended a workshop around life and personal goal setting and these things. And uh, our instructor uh, said something to the effect that uh, a lot of time we do things with the intention of how we'll be perceived. Mm. And she said something to the effect that uh, if you let go of that, because you cannot really do anything about what others think of you. So if you let go of that, it simplifies a lot of things that you know you might want to do because others want you to do it, or you may, may not want to do it because others might feel a certain way about it. And recently, in in a book, uh, uh, "Girl, Wash Your Face," yeah, by, uh, I was going to say that. Rachel, she Hallis, said yeah. yes, Rachel Hollis. Uh, she said something like. Someone else's opinion is none of your business or something to that effect. And that is something that has stuck with me back then and was a good reminder when I read that book recently, that it is genuinely, whether whatever you're doing, whether you have this nagging feeling that, oh, this one might like it, might not like it or, you know, whatever else, it kind of is very liberating in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we're the
0: only ones that have to live with ourselves at night, right? Exactly. So whether we do something or we don't do something because of what someone else's opinion was, we have to live with that.
1: Right. And at the end of the day, you kind of, you know, are quiet in a place by yourself. You always think about the things you did not do because someone else would have thought of you in a certain way. You never say that, oh, I did this and that one was upset about it. Yeah. No, for
0: sure. And the final question is Puja's. what does it mean to you to live your best life?
1: Doing what makes me happy and feel okay and not stressed out all the time. So (laughs) that's like do what makes you happy because at the end of the day, like you know, we addressed earlier, like whatever others thing it's irrelevant at the end of the day. So if something is making you happy, make it happen. Yeah and set goals to get there <laughs> yes that's yeah. the key that's yeah. the only way to get it
0: yeah well thank you so much puja for joining us on the podcast it's been a pleasure to have you
1: thank you for having me